0: It is good to be here to worship the Lord, to turn our eyes to Jesus, as Brother Ian has reminded us this morning, and also now to turn our eyes to the Word of God. It's been my pleasure and joy to be able to expound on the creed. And this morning, okay, where's my... This morning, we are on Born of the Virgin Mary, okay? We have seen, uh, uh, we have looked at the earlier parts of the Creed, and we are now here in this section, where the Apostles' Creed says, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. And in the Nicene Creed, we have for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we study your word, we pray that you will open our eyes that we may see wondrous things out of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. Now, the belief that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary is one of our Important doctrine. And, uh, when we say that Jesus is the eternal Word of God that we have seen, uh, and that He was in the, in the beginning with the Father, God the Father, and that He became flesh, we see that the Bible is actually telling us about the incarnation. Doesn't seem to work, huh? Okay, the Bible is talking about incarnation. That means Jesus, who is God, has become flesh, become a human being. And we see that there is Bible support for this idea of the incarnation. First, Jesus himself spoke about it. Then John the Apostle wrote in his Gospel, and Paul also similarly spoke about it. Now, we see in the last message that I dealt with the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he claimed to be the Son of Man. And that the Son of Man who was with God the Father, he descended to earth to do the will of God the Father. And then he ascended back, having been lifted up, right? Remember, lifted up at the cross, and then lifted up in ascension to God the Father. And that he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And having completed his mission, uh, uh, we know that he could say, to the Father, especially in John chapter 17, verse 5 and verse 24. He says, Glorify me in your presence with the glory that I that I had with you before the foundation of the world. That means Jesus shared with God the Father His glory from the foundation of the world. That's why John could write in John chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14 in his prologue that Jesus was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus, the Word, became flesh in verse 14 and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. Who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, in the same way too, we see that Paul in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 11 says the same thing. If we turn to Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11, we see that Jesus in the form of God, in the nature of God, He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. He did not hold on to the equality with God. But rather being equal with God, he let go of that equality. And he made himself nothing in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Taking on the nature of a servant. Becoming a man in human likeness. He humbled himself. Obedient even unto death on the cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest honour in the name. At the, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Now the last two verses of verses 10 and 11 of Philippians chapter 2, actually is an echo of Isaiah 45, verse 23, where God in the Old Testament, Yahweh, will be honoured and worshipped by everyone. In the similar way, this is applied to Jesus, that Jesus in the place of Yahweh will one day, finally, be honoured and worshipped by everyone. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess, that Jesus is Lord. Now in New Testament scholarship, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, is said to be a pre-Pauline hymn. That means Paul actually used this hymn to in and incorporated it into his letter. Now if this is so, then Paul actually borrowed what the early church, the apostolic church, believed in our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostolic Church believed that Jesus was with God. He came from God, he he became incarnate, he died on the cross, he rose again, and is now in heaven, and one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we see that there is a continuity between what Jesus is saying about his incarnation, John. Paul, basically the apostolic church, believed in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus. The divinity, incarnation, and exaltation. Now, you know, it has been fashionable. Some years ago, when I studied theology, they say Paul was the new founder of this religion. Let me just say that that is not quite true. Now, without entering into debate, to say that there is a continuity from Jesus to the apostles and to Paul. They did not invent a new religion. They just followed from what Jesus taught. Now, if Jesus was divine, is divine, how would he come into this world? And how would he go off from this world? it would be nothing short of miraculous. He's coming. The virgin birth, a miracle. He's going back to the Father. Death on the cross and resurrection, another miracle. So you see that he came, it's a miracle. He went back to the Father. That's another miracle. Now, I think as we look at this passage, or at least this idea of incarnation, I think we need to look at Mary, right? Born of the Virgin Mary. Now, the story of Mary Uh is told in Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 35, where we see that the angel Gabriel came and brought good news to her and said that she will bear a son and his name will be Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. All right? Now we know that at that time, Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Now in those days, to be betrothed means to be as good as Mary, right? Not like today, people get engaged or betrothed, all mine mind. sometimes. Huh? Uh, that's a serious business. You get betrothed, you get married. There's no two ways about it. It's a preliminary step to that, you know. Uh, otherwise, the family will be really put to shame. Now, here we see that before the marriage proper, uh, um, Angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Look, you found favor. In God's sight, you're a chosen instrument. And you will bear a son. Now, here we notice that in verse 35, uh, 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 it says that you, the son will be called Jesus, the son of the Most High. The son of the Most High. Now, of course, you would say, how can it be? You know, I'm a virgin. All right? And... The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called the Son of the Most High. Or the Son of the Holy, uh, who is holy as well. Alright? The Son will be called Holy, the Son of God. Okay? Now, the other passage has to do with Matthew. Maybe you can help. and Okay, thank you. Uh, Matthew. Uh, 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 before. In Matthew, we see the story of the angel appearing to Joseph. When Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant, he wanted to put her away quietly. You know, he was a discreet person, a good man. He didn't want to put her to shame. But then we are told that in a dream, Joseph was told about Mary. And he was told to take Mary as your wife. Wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. And... Matthew in verse 22 of chapter 1 tells us that this is to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Now what we see here is that very clearly that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Jesus' name is salvation, eh? and that uh, uh, he is God, God with us. Now we also know that in Luke's gospel, the angels too announced to the shepherds that Jesus' birth. Right, uh, that the angel of the Lord said, "This day is born in the city of David a savior who is Christ." the Lord, Savior, Messiah, Lord, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. And of course, the shepherds quickly went to see this baby Jesus. Now, what we see here is very uh, clear that the gospel account is shows us That Jesus, the child conceived, the child conceived in Mary's womb is from the Holy Spirit. His name is Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of David. He's the Messiah, the Messianic king, so to speak, the Davidic king, the anointed Davidic king. So Jesus is the God who became man, conceived in Mary through the Holy Spirit, and that he is the Christ, the Son of the Most High. Now, this is a recap of what you already know, I think. Because Christmas after Christmas, we are told this story. Until we are so familiar with it. But of course, not everybody believe in this story some people will question and say hey you know how can you know uh, uh 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 how can there be such a thing as the virgin birth right is it credible to believe in the virgin birth now i think <coughs> Behind this question is the larger question of miracles. Can God do miracles, right? I think if we believe that God is the God who created the heavens and earth, remember we looked at, I believe in God Almighty. If he's Almighty creating everything in this world, visible and invisible, then the virgin birth is nothing. Nothing compared to the miracle of the creation of the universe. And that this virgin birth is a unique act of God. So really, in some ways, at the base of our disagreement with people of other views, is the whole question of our worldview. In our worldview, whether we believe there's a God or supernatural, or whether in our worldview, we don't believe that there is, Supernatural, And so that is really in some ways at the crux of the issue. And the question is, which worldview is true? And I think I've said this in my second, uh, uh, second uh, message, that the three tests that it should be a worldview that is true should be reasonably coherent, it should correspond to what is happening in the world, and also it must be... That we what we believe, we can consistently live out. It's not that we believe something and then we cannot live out. No, that we can consistently live out. So you have these three criteria. And I believe that the Christian faith passes the test. Now, now the other question that some people ask is, was Mary sinless throughout her life, right? Some people believe that, right? Uh, Or to put it in another way, was Mary a virgin throughout her life? I think with regards to Jesus, there was a virginal conception, right? I think that's true. However, we are also told that Mary had other brothers, okay, and uh, 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 other children who are brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. And one of them is James, who later became a leader in the Jerusalem church, all right? So I would say that, yes, after having birth, given birth to the others, Mary would not be a virgin anymore, right? I think what we need to believe in is the virginal conception of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, to the question of whether Mary was sinless, our scripture is silent. And most Christians have believed that because she is part of the fallen world, right, she would have been tainted with sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, of course, uh, 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 there are others who believe that uh, 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 she is sinless, right? Do you know that there are other people who believe that? Right. But I would want to say that more likely that she was not sinless in that sense. But God has used uh instrument for his, uh, Mary for his purpose. I think it's interesting that we may be Sinful, we may be imperfect, but God uses us for His purpose. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not be discouraged. You know, that sometimes we may falter in our Christian life, but God loves us and God wants to use us, wants to purify us and to use us. So let us be prepared. Like Mary Let me, you know, she surrendered to the Lord, be unto me, you know, according to the will of God. And so let us be in the same attitude like Mary. Now, I think in a multi-religious society like ours, I think the question is, how do other religion or other faith look at Mary, right? Right? Now, of course, if you come from a Taoist, uh, Chinese background, Confucianist, Taoist, nothing is said about Jesus, uh, Mary, right? Is that so? I don't think so. Not that I know of. If you know, let me know. Uh, Neither is there in Buddhism or in Hinduism. However, in Islam, there is mention of Mary. Do you know that? In fact, your Muslim friend will tell you that there are more verses on Mary in the Quran than in the Bible. Do you know that in the Quran, in Surah 19, it's called Miriam. The chapter is called Miriam. A one whole long chapter on uh, Mary. And so really in some ways, we see that the Quran has got important uh, teaching about... uh, Mary. And so it is good for us to understand uh, what they really teach, okay? Now, we see this in, uh, oops, can you see this? You see this in uh, 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 Surah 19, verse 16 to 22, all right? And here, there seems to be a similarity with the Bible, where the angel who became man appeared to Mary and announced to her that she will conceive a son. Uh, in fact, uh, the angel say, "Nay," in verse 19, uh, I am only a messenger from the Lord to announce to you the gift of a holy son. Now, this is from the Yusuf Ali translation. Okay? Now, uh, the Quran has been translated from... Arabic into English, and there are other uh, English translations as well. For example, like Pickhall, Maldudi, Sahih International. But Yusuf Ali has been the most uh, 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 common that uh, Muslims use, actually. All right? Now, so here we see that there is seemingly a similarity, right? Okay? Uh, uh, now, then... Uh, uh, We are told that she conceived. Okay, let's turn on to another one. Uh, Then in chapter 3, verses 42 to 44 or 48 to 48, we see that uh, the angels appeared, a similar passage, the angels appeared to Mary and said to her, God has chosen you and purified you chosen you above the women of all nations. And so Mary is very, very highly revered in Islam. All right. Now here it is in plural. It is angels. Okay, in uh, Surah chapter uh, 3, verse 42 and 45. In Surah 19, it is angel. And most uh, uh, Islamic scholars would say it is the angel Gabriel, singular one. All right. Now, so we can see that uh, there are these two stories, and that uh, we are told, we are told that uh, she actually said that when the angel announces, similar to the Bible, he says, Oh Lord, how can I have a son when no man has touched me? Uh, she had no sexual relationship. Okay. So there is this similarity with the Bible. All right? With the Gospels. But then, there, is, there are also passages whereby there would be dissimilarity. Now when when Mary... Oops. Uh, I think... Uh, when Mary was... Uh, oops. Yeah. When Mary was... Uh, uh, in pain on childbirth chapter 19 verse 23 the pain of childbirth drove her to the trunk of a palm tree and then she cried actually uh, uh, to god and then a voice said to her "Grieve not for your lord has provided a rivulet beneath you and then he says look there will be fresh dates uh, for you eat drink and cool your eye. So here we can see that she was in pain at childbirth. She went to a palm tree and she was given sustenance. And so it seemed that she gave birth there. Now this would be different from our story, where we have Jesus, baby Jesus, born in a manger, right? And she and Joseph and Mary going from Nazareth to Bethlehem. All right? So this is a difference in the story. And then after the birth, we are told that in... I think... Uh, can we move? Okay, I think that's the one. Ah, okay. This is the one. After the childbirth, in verses 27 to 29, Mary brought the baby Jesus to her people. And then the people actually says, Oh Mary, truly an amazing thing you have brought. And then they say, Oh sister of Aaron, they call Mary sister of Aaron. Your father is not an evil man. Your mother is not an unchaste woman. That means they say basically what they are saying is the people that are saying to Mary at that time when she brought the baby. He says, Look, how come your parents are, you come from good parentship, but you can have a child without a father? Okay? That's the interpretation from Tafsir al Jalalain. Okay? Uh, And then what happens was, Mary then, as they said to her, she pointed at the baby and and really to say speak to the baby, you know, and uh, and the reply the reply uh, uh, in some ways is that uh, in verse twenty nine, how can we talk to one who is a child in the cradle? The, the 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 people replied to Mary, and then what we see is that from the cradle. Baby Jesus or Isa said indeed in verse 30, I am indeed a servant of Allah. He has given me revelation, uh, understood as scripture, and made me a prophet. He has made me blessed wherever I be and enjoyed on me prayer and charity as long as I live. So Jesus from the cradle said that, Now, something very interesting that Jesus also said in verse 33 is that, Peace be upon me the day I was born, the day that I die, and the day that I shall be raised up to life again. So here we can see that this story in itself is very, very different from the gospel. We don't have this at all from the gospel. The question really for us is how are we to make of the differences? Can we? Doesn't seem to. Okay. Oops. How are we to make of the differences? And we see, the similarity is in the announcement, okay? In the Quran, you have the announcement by the angel Gabriel, uh, Surah 19.7. Uh, but in Surah 3, it is the angels uh, in plural. Of course, there is no uh, 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 story about the pain of childbirth and, and uh, uh, of Mary going through a palm tree. We see Mary giving birth in the manger, all right? And we see that there is no account of the wise man or the shepherd's story as in the gospel or the flight of of Joseph and Mary with the baby Jesus to Egypt at all. And so really in some ways we see that there are quite a lot of difference really Okay? Real difference, you know, between the two accounts. And the question that we want to ask is uh, are these differences reconcilable? I think it looks like, it looks like uh, uh, a couple of them can be reconciled, others don't seem to be able to be reconciled okay uh, uh in that sense now the main difference that that uh the main difference is that the gospel clearly say that jesus is the son of the most high that means son of god right whereas the quran actually says you know that jesus is not divine he's merely a messenger of god huh and of course, in Surah 19, verse 35, the Quran says, It is not befitting folk to God that he should have a son. And that is a denial of Jesus' sonship. And so we can see that there is a big difference. And it's good to understand our faith in relation to other faith, especially in a multi-religious so. Society like ours, particularly in a Muslim majority uh, uh, nation. Oops. Can we turn it? Okay. Right. So, I think that with regards to the, the difference, the question is why do we believe what we believe as true? Why do they believe what they believe? as true. Of course, if you ask a Muslim, he will say, his account is true. You ask a Christian, the Christian will say his account is true. How do we know what is true? Now, here it speaks about historicity of events. And all I want to say in defense of the gospel is that with regards to the account of the life of the historical Jesus, we have eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness account. And we all know that in the court of law, eyewitness account is very important. It's not third party, all right? And we all know that the Quranic account is 600 years after the event of Jesus, okay? Now, That's probably all I want to say. Now, some Christians have said, okay, there might be two possible views. Okay? Uh, One, they say, look, the Jesus of the Quran, now the word Jesus is not actually used, but the Arabic word is Isa. Okay, Isa. The Isa of Quran and the Jesus of Bible. So one view will say, Look, they are not the same because at the core belief, they are not the same, right? One says Jesus is the son of God who is divine. The other say he is merely a a messenger, a prophet. So uh, then there is also the other argument to say, look, the word Isa does not correspond to the Hebrew word for Jesus. Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua. Different, Isa sounds more like Esau in uh, our Bible. All right. Now, Yeshua itself means salvation, God save, savior, really. And so we can see that with the name of Jesus, the whole idea of salvation of Israel coming out of Zion. Jesus is the anointed savior, the anointed. Salvation. God's promise to the world that He's the Messiah foretold through the prophets of Israel and all of Israelite or Hebrew history. And so you have this group of people who will say, no, it's different. The Isa of the Quran is not the same as the Jesus of the Bible. There are others who say, look, they are same. Alright, they are same. But if they are same, there are still differences, right? The question is, what are we to make of those differences? And of course, we talk of Jesus being born under a palm tree or Jesus born in a manger. It sounds like it's two different accounts. It cannot be be uh, 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 true at the same time. So the Muslim will say, look, you know, uh, uh, ours is true because the Quran is God's revelation. Your Bible account is corrupted. Have you heard that from your friends? Right? (coughs) But let me just say that the Quran affirms the truthfulness of the Bible, both the Torah and the Injil. And there is a scholar by the name of Gordon Nicol in his scholarly book called Narratives of Tampering in the Earliest Commentary on the Quran. It's printed by Brill. Brill is a very respectable scholarly uh, publisher in 2011. And he showed that renowned Muslim scholars, including... Uh, Mutak, uh, Mukatil, Ibn Sulaiman, Al Tabari, Sirat, Ibn Ishaq, these are famous, you know. Uh, Ibn, uh, they all believe that the scripture that God has given to the Jews and Christians remain intact and that the Quran itself bear witness to their preservation and reliability. And this is what a scholar has actually done uh, work on. All right. Now, I think for us the Bible account is historically uh, 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 is a historical account and and there is historical verification for the life and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say that there's historical verification. Now I will not deal with that. I will deal with it in the next session when we deal with the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, history is on our side. Now, I think it is good for us to really know our faith and also know what other people believe and to compare it and to be able to understand our faith better. And that we ourselves must live out the great commandment. The great commandment is that we love our Lord with all our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Jesus has actually said, called us to do that. But very often, we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our strength. We put our mind aside. Right? Because with some of these difficult questions, we say, Aiyah, too lazy to think lah. Right? Now, I think we must not, must not do that. Jesus tells us to love God with all our mind. Not part of our mind, but all our mind. So what are we doing with our mind? With the renewed mind that Jesus has given us? To think God's thoughts after him to think clearly about the doctrines that we believe in. I think we must use our mind. The Bible tells us not about the replacement of the mind, but the renewal of the mind in Romans chapter 12, that we do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, so that we are able to put to the test and to prove that God's will is good, acceptable, And perfect. So we need, brothers and sisters in Christ, to exercise the renewed mind that God has given us. If we don't do that, we will be like Jonah disobeying God, running away from the calling that we are, as we have read this morning, right? So, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me encourage you to think more seriously about your faith and to grow up towards maturity. Now, in my experience as pastor, when children become richest, teenage, they have got lots of questions about the Christian faith. Am I not correct? Those who are in teenage, eh? of course. And they will ask their parents, and their parents will say, oh, ask pastor about it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I say no. Parents, must do something about it do you know that in ephesians chapter 6 what does ephesians chapter 6 say ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 it says fathers hey eh, it didn't say mother no it says fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So fathers, let me challenge you to know the word of God, to know your faith and to be able to bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let us use our renewed mind to go know God intellectually, to be keen to know the answers, Two important questions. And I remember the time when my faith was challenged in a six-form general paper debate. You know, those days we had debate. The teacher will allow us to debate any topic. And my good friend, whom I was classmate from Standard 1, spoke out and spoke, spoke up and espoused an atheistic position. And I remember having to, to defend the Christian position. And that was my journey. Learning, learning to know my faith. To use the renewed mind to understand the Christian faith. Now, I think one of the things is to use our minds so that we can discern Christian truth from falsehood. I think that's important. And that, that we must use our mind to be able to defend our faith rationally with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Now, all of us, I think we need to... to uh, 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 Yeah, to be illumined by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we will continue to know our faith, be strong in our faith, and to be able to give an answer to those who ask us of our faith and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you do that? If you cannot, brothers and sisters in Christ, grow up in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's think God's thoughts after him so that we may know him more clearly, love him more nearly, and follow him more nearly day by day. But I think this morning's reading is also relevant. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, you therefore know this beforehand. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. There were false teachers in the church at that time. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. So let us think his thoughts after him, to follow him more nearly, to know him more clearly, and to love him more dearly. Will you do that, brothers and sisters in Christ, for the glory of God? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that even as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, his incarnation, we thank you that this miracle of the incarnation has been made possible because of your great love and mercy for us, that we who who are lost in our sin, unable to save ourselves, you send our Lord Jesus Christ to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And for our salvation, Jesus came. He is our anointed salvation. And we give our hearty thanks. It is your grace, your goodness to us, and we do not deserve. And for this, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for all that you have done. And this morning as we come before you, we affirm our faith in you again. And we pray that we will love and serve you always. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.